So if you take out your sermon notes, if you like to follow along, I encourage you to do take notes because you will retain more, uh, not only by listening, but by writing, and, and that just does something that sticks with you in a greater way. So we'll turn into, the, into our Bibles to the book of Mark chapter 12. We're going to finish up this chapter this morning, Mark chapter 12. We've been going through the book of Mark. So Mark chapter 12. Before I read the scripture, I want to give you a few introductory notes. Um, this week was a very uh, interesting week. It was filled with a lot of activities and things going on, probably in your life uh, as well. And uh, I want to say it's great to see Floyd with us today in the services. Uh, if you haven't heard, he had a, a minor heart, heart attack on Wednesday, and I was so surprised to see him here in the service today. And uh, so we're grateful for that, that he's here. They had put a stint in him on Thursday. And uh, I was up there to see him on Thursday. And it was about noon or so, and they were preparing him to transfer him from uh, the hospital here in Camarillo to Oxnard. And the, one of the nurses came in, a couple nurses came in, and they took his vital signs. And as they were taking the vital signs, they, they were preparing him to make this trip. And they wanted to make sure that his vital signs were good enough to go forward uh, to the hospital. And so I got to thinking about that and the vital signs that they did for Floyd. is is kind of like with the story that we have today. When Jesus is is talking to the scribes, he's going to use a vital sign to point something that's unhealthy in them. And then he's going to give us a good story about a a widow and her offering and how that it was very healthy and she had some good vital signs. And so I want to go forward with this. And I want you to think about this, that as we go through our life as a Christian, and I'm not sure where you're, you're at, I barely know where I'm at sometimes. But God is a God that moves us. There are, there are no, you know, status quo with God, I'm going to stick here. And God moves us. He grows us to be more like him. And in that growing, there are times that he has to come along and confront and challenge us. He does that because he wants to grow us. And in that growing, we move closer to God. We become more like Jesus. Our relationship becomes deeper uh, with God. And so we're going to look at a vital sign. And the vital sign that God uses is money. It's money. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, that's something that's probably near time. In fact, I believe that God, Jesus spoke about money more than any other subject in the, in the Scripture, uh, more than any other, uh, or any other person. And uh, I believe that he used this as a common vital sign for us all to check us out or check us out where we're at with him. So he's going to challenge us, and he's going to do this also with an inspirational story about a a widow. So let's look at this story. So I want to start reading. Um, our text is going to be verse 35 to 44, but I want to go back and reread what we, what we read last week because it's the same group of people called the scribes that Jesus is having this conversation with. 
Then one of the scribes came, having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, this, excuse me, the first of all commandments is here. Remember, we talked about that here and in the Old Testament, the word Shema. You know, it's not just listening, but there's a listening with an intent on obedience. I'm going to listen and I'm going to obey. Shema. O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second like is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the scribe said to him, well said, teacher, to Jesus, you have spoken the truth for there is one God and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one neighbors as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And now when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. But after that, no one dared question him. Remember we talked about last week that this teacher of the law, one who knew this scripture very well from Deuteronomy 6. We no doubt prayed twice a day in the morning and evening, studied the Bible, the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, knew those probably by heart. Many of them memorized that. And yet Jesus said, you are just near. You're not in the kingdom of God. You're just near it. Which goes to tell us that Religion, we can be religious, but we, we can still not have a relationship with God. And this was a performance that he did, and he performed well. So let's go on to read as what Jesus says. In verse 35, here's our text this morning. Then Jesus answered and said, while he taught in the temple. You like to underline things, that would be a great phrase. While he taught in the temple, he is teaching now. Who is he teaching? Well, certainly the scribes are there. The Pharisees are there. There's a other group of people there. They're listening. So he is the teacher at the moment in the temple. And he says to them, how is it that the scribes say that Christ is the son of David? For David himself said by the Holy Spirit, I think that is put in there to emphasize that this was something not that David came up with, but God came up. David himself said, and he said this. How do you say it? By the Holy Spirit. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, David himself calls him Lord. How is he then his son? And, and the common people heard him gladly. Now, let's get the scene here again. So Jesus is in the temple. He's sitting there, probably as a, as a rabbi would sit, to, to teach. And the, the crowd are, are with him, and, and over here is a section of the scribes. And he points them out in front of everyone. I mean, this is point out. This is confrontation, public style. He said there was, and so he sits there among the crowd, and he talking about the scribes, who again are the teachers. They're, they're the lawyers. They're the interpreter of the scripture. If you had a question, you understand, you go to the scribes. 
They're the go-to persons for answers about the law. And he gives them another question that they can't answer it. And it confronts their belief about who Jesus is. See, Jesus is confronting their theology, and, he do, and he's doing this with a question, the question they can't answer. And the question is, Jesus is, is, how can the Messiah be both the son of David and the Lord of David? The descendant of David is the Lord of David. You see, the real heart of the matter that Jesus was confronting with them, do you really know who I am? They were unclear about who Jesus was. Jesus is trying to explain to them through this challenging question. And And I can say this, my friend, it is one of the most important questions any of us can answer. Who is Jesus to you? Do I know who Jesus is? Not what I think he should be or what I want to create in my mind who God should be or who Jesus is, but who he is. So Jesus challenges their theology of who Jesus is, and they have no answer. They sit there silent. Of course, the answer is that Jesus is the son of David. He's talking about himself, the Lord of David, the Messiah. Jesus is the God-man. He's 100% God and 100% man. Revelation says this, chapter 22, says he is both, talking about Jesus, is the root and offspring of David. With this question, Jesus challenged the religious leader, asking them, do you understand this truth about the Messiah? They did not. So Jesus confronts and convicts. Why does he do this? that our love for God may be with all our heart, all our strength, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. He does this. If God sees something wrong in our, in our lives, our behavior, our thinking is wrong, he will confront and convict us. He will challenge us because he wants us to grow deeper in that relationship with him. Jesus then challenges their behavior. You see, If your theology and your view about God is wrong, your behavior will be wrong. If your theology, what you believe about Jesus is wrong, your behavior will also be off. And so Jesus challenges them, and he does this, and he talks about their behavior. So let's read in verse 38, verse 40. It says this, Then he said to them in his teaching, Beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, Love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues, and the best places at the feast, who devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers, they will receive greater condemnation. (laughs) These are bold words. Now, can you imagine? Jesus is sitting there amongst this crowd, and the scribes are sitting there, and he calls them out. He calls them out their appearance, their actions, their motives, what they're doing, and then devouring the widow's houses. Instead of loving God with all their heart, they tried to use God. Instead of loving their neighbor as themselves, they loved themselves at the expense of their neighbor. They used God, used people, and they hurt people, all for self-gain. 
These spiritual leaders will self-serving. The seeking attention to themselves as this outwardly display of religious performance that look glorious and grand. There's another part God said that, you know, they're, they're inside, they're dead bones. They're, they're rotten to the core. And Jesus was bringing this out. It says they devoured widows' houses. These were scribes. They were lawyers. They, they were of the, of the temple, and, and they knew the angles that could take advantage of people for their selfish plans. The place in the very temple that the Old Testament put as a means to help and bless widows, to help the fatherless, they turned that around to, to their advantage and to bless themselves, to take advantage of people. They used God as leverage with people to take advantage of them. And Jesus is not going to sit by idly and let this happen. Jesus confronts and he condemns their behavior. That our love, so our love for God may be filled with all our heart and all our soul and mind and our strength. And God will confront our behavior if it needs to be confronted as well. And he uses the love of money as a vital sign to point out their spiritual health, an indicator in their depth of where they are with God. And so Jesus confronts them. He convicts them. He has a desire for them to, to repent and has a desire for, for all those who, who needed to be confronted to bring a, a place where they accepted in a relationship with God, and they would move in their relationship with him, and they would grow in their love for God. You see, my friend, when we talk about whatever it is, if it's money or if it's some other behavior, and we struggle with that, I want you to understand that it really isn't about it, the struggle. It is about our relationship with Jesus. The Pharisees, the scribes, the issue wasn't about money. It wasn't about greed. It was about where their heart was with God. And it was absent. It, it, it wasn't correct. And they needed, if, if they would have repented and they got their heart right, all these other things would have fallen in place as it should have been. So it's a matter of the heart. It's not a matter of the of the it, whatever it is that we might struggle with. And Jesus warned them also, he said, they will receive greater condemnation. So Jesus warned of their future that our love for God may be filled, that, uh, that our love for God may be with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. So when we hear of people who are taking advantage in the name of God and religion, I want you to understand, in this this chapter, in this verse, Jesus is saying this, and he makes this promise that he would not tolerate those who use the name of God, the name of Jesus, as a way to abuse and mistreat people, especially those whose religion as, uses religion as a means to cover up their evil. And every once in a while, we hear something that goes along. 
And I want you to understand that God promises to reveal. God promises to deal with those who take the name of God and hide behind it to do their evil schemes. And here Jesus confronts them and brings them out in the open. Let's go on to this story. It's a good story. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Jesus inspires us with an example that our love for God may be with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. So let's read this story. Say verses 41 to the end of the chapter. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. And then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a quadrants. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, as surely as I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all these who have given to the treasury, for they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of their poverty put in all that she had her whole livelihood. Inspiring story here. This widow who's there, and Jesus is sitting at the treasury, at the offering place where they would come and they would drop the offering. And Jesus, how would you like to know that, that Jesus was sitting there looking at what we were given? And this widow comes along, and then there was the the rich people come along, and they gave in. And Jesus took notice of this lady, what she gave. And it says of her, she gave more. Not that she, you know, they... She gave like what we think of two pennies. Somebody gave $1,000. She gave two pennies. Jesus said, well, that person gave more. It's not because that it was the amount more, but, but what she had in proportion and what it cost her. It cost her uh, more than it cost what they gave. It's a greater value to her than what the rich put in the offering. And as said of the scriptures, she gave everything. The percentage. You see, they gave of their uh, abundance, their surplus, and she gave all she had. The word, in the word of the word to describe this life is bios, as, as, as her life. She gave her life, her livelihood. She gave it all. Why don't you stop and think about this widow lady? I don't know if she went through a process to give those two mites all she had. Think back perhaps when she was at home and she's thinking about going to the temple. And she's thinking about her offering and what she would do and pray and, and, all, and whatever else that she had her mind on. And she started to think about this. I'm, I'm going to the temple today. I don't have much to give God today. I got these two mites. That's all I have. And as a widow, it was a very peculiar time to live. They were very vulnerable, especially if they didn't have families and others to support them. We don't know anything about this lady, other than that she somewhere along the, the, the road decided that she was going to give Those two mites, their last two mites. And so she walked to the temple. And as she entered the temple, and she may have saw 
all the rich people giving stuff. And she could have said, just these two mice. I don't have much to give to God. And she could have also just think about the, the attorneys, the, the, not the attorneys, but the lawyers, the, the scribes, and, and, and maybe it was a process of their decision that they took advantage, and somehow she didn't quite understand it, but they were able to take away her home. And she walks in, and there they are. These are, these are representatives, these are the spiritual leaders, and she's coming to give this, this offering to this corrupt religious system. She comes to, with that. She lays those two old mites before, she lays them before Jesus. She might have been even embarrassed. The guy before her may have given a lot of money and everybody would say, oh yeah, look at that. Oh, oh bless you, brother. Oh you're, oh, you're such a giver. And she comes along. Nobody notices her. Jesus does. She lays those two mites in that offering. Jesus caught her eye and knew what she had given. And she knew, he knew that it wasn't out of her, out of her abundance, but her whole, whole life. This meant her life because she could walk out there and starve. interesting how could this widow give that I think there are four great truths they're not in your notes but if you want to write them down I think it would be good to write them down that we can learn from how the widow could give that offering the first truth is this every offering you give in the name of of the Lord is given to God. It isn't an offering to man. I think that's the one thing that she she pushed through. Though that religious system system may have been corrupt, though it could have cost them their their her home, though there were other things that they were doing, as Jesus uh, just uh, shared that they were corrupt. She wasn't giving it to them. She was giving this to God. And it was if Jesus was sitting there, God himself was standing, and she was placing this in God's hand. And that's how we give. And sometimes people, you know, we come and give, and they think, well, you know, the church is corrupt. You know, they don't do, they don't manage. That. And that sometimes may be true. But whenever you give your offering, you give it to God, and it's not to man. Let me say this on the other side of the offering. As spiritual leaders and as those that oversee the offerings and our financial committee, it is, uh, we have a great leadership who, who are responsible, and they take your offering very seriously because they understand that it is an offering given to God, and they take this very seriously. You can take great confidence in that, and, and our books and all that are open. Uh, to how we manage uh, the offering. Number two, great truth here for this widow. God sees every offering you give and a reward accordingly. And if it wasn't for Jesus, 
pointing this out and noticing it and sharing this, we would never have known this great story. We, we, would, we had not known. Jesus is the only one that noticed. And my friend, sometimes your service for God, for what you do for God and for other people, sometimes God is the only one that's going to know about it. But that's okay, because I'm telling you, what is done in secret will be rewarded openly. I don't know in this life or the life to come, God will bless you for that. You may not see, uh, we may not see what you do, but God does. He knows how you serve him when no one else knows. He knows how you sacrifice and no one, when no one knows. The person that matters the most sees what you do when no one else sees, and he will bless you. And she knew that. This is God. God, I'm not doing this for these people. I'm not doing it for, for the scribes. I'm doing this for God. And it was received by God, and God noticed. Great truth number three, God uses our heart to measure an acceptable offering, not the amount. The why you give is important to God on how much you give. The why you give. God loves a cheerful heart. We've heard that first. This lady came with the sincerity of her heart and of all the thousands of dollars that was given previously or during that offering, God looked down and says, you know, I appreciate that offering more than all those others. And maybe there was some other people that gave with a very sincere heart. But we just know the story of this widow's heart. And God knows it, and he wants us to notice it. Great truth number four about the widow's offering. The widow trusted in God to take care of her more than what money could do for her. You see, when she placed that, what she had, and somehow she felt inspired to give it for whatever reason, she gave that she believed that God would take care of her more than what money could do for her. She believed God would take care of her and that God would be tr could be trusted to take care of her needs. Now, I'm going to give you something that's not in the Scripture, but what I believe is based upon who Jesus is and who the disciples and what the Scripture is. I believe that when Jesus noticed it, he shared that with the disciples, and I believe they, in turn, made sure that she was blessed and taken care of. Don't you think? Don't you think that Jesus, who loves people, who wants to help people, and the disciples... And, and that he wouldn't just walk away and say, that's a nice story. <laughs> I'll pray for you, bless you, and walk away. I believe that they may have taken some of that offering and given it to this, this, this lady. I don't know, but I believe that was the heart of, of Jesus and that he would have done something like that. So as we see this story, there's a great contrast here between the scribes and the widow's offering. The scribes, they lived to get all that they could, get, and she gave all she could give. And Jesus challenged us to choose to live generously like the widow, that our love for God may be with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all our strength. Now, please don't take this message and think that we're going to receive another offering and we're asking you to open up your bank account and give everything. There's only been one time in my life when I can truly say that I gave all the money I had. And it was about when I was eight years old, I heard a mission um, 
uh, message, and it was just a challenge, and I was inspired to take my offering. And, and what I had, I had $15, somebody giving me some money. And we lived next to the church. My dad was a pastor, and we lived in a parsonage. And I actually had to leave the service. And I went over and got my $15, and I was ran over, and I was going to give it to the missions offering. And, and that was, that's the only time that I can really truly say that I have given everything in, in my bank account, all the money, I gave it to God. Um, I'm still working on that. <laughs> My wife uh, probably would be the person to give everything uh, in our bank account. And, and sometimes, uh, you know, I'm just amazed at her faith that she has um, in trusting God with what we have. So I'm not saying that, that this is a message that we're saying you, you got to empty your bank account. I'm not saying that at all. It's just a message about our heart, where, where God is. And don't let... Money and things come between you and your love for God. These scribes, their whole goal was selfish. The whole goal, they allow things to, to, to interfere in, in knowing who Jesus was and allowing God to work in their life. So don't let the money come in. Check our heart. Check how we are with money and things. It will reveal where our relationship is with God and how we are in our ongoing growing in our maturity with him. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being so gracious and generous to, to all of us. And by sharing and desiring for us to know this precious story. Father, it reveals who you are and who your son is. Your generous heart, and even to those who don't get you, who oppose you, you were still gracious. You gave each of them an opportunity to repent. Now, Father, help us to be generous people with what you give us. Help us not let money, things, and material things control us, that we use things to glorify you and to love people. Help us to have your generous heart pumping through our heart, your love through our veins that we may grow deeper in our love for you. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, amen.